apologies for the butchering of your your name, but um, she basically offered a correction to me, and basically, uh, I'm going to quote her, please don't confuse ranked ballots in single-member ridings with proportional representation. There is nothing wrong with using a ranked ballot, many, which is used in many uh, proportional representation systems, but unless it is part of a multi-member district, such as a single transferable vote, it is not proportional. So I got back to her and said, hiya, uh, I appreciate the feedback, and I'll add a correction to the future episode. So I'm going to do that now. Right, these are two separate things. So what I discussed in episode 7 was ranked choice voting, which is a method of choosing uh, who the candidates are for the voters. Proportional representation is, is slightly different in that it's taking the total vote tallies and allocating out the MPs in this case proportionally to the amount of votes they got. So in our current system, in the last election, for example... Um, the Tories, if they got 43% of the vote, they would have got 43% of the delegates. So that's a basic rundown of how it works. So I did confuse those two things, and I just want to make sure I offer a correction, because I don't want to be uh, spreading any, well, inaccurate or false information. I don't think anything I said was false, it was just not a complete picture of what I was trying to get across. Um, and I'll make sure I tag her in this episode, make sure she sees this, but... Um, yeah, I would really encourage you. They're trying to do a petition at the moment, the Electoral Society, Electoral Reform Society. Why do I keep butchering that? Jesus. The Electoral Reform Society. That is what it's called. There we go. Uh, I would encourage you to go on their website because they are currently running a petition to try and get 90,000. I think they might have passed that 90,000. They put out a tweet about a day ago saying they're almost there. So... Go on there, sign it. I will make sure I tag that as well in this episode. Because uh, they are trying to get a petition started to get a proportional representation at least debated. The fact that it's taken this many elections and uh, this much effort to even get this on the table, it's kind of sad. And I think the last attempt we had at this was in 2014, which was something else I mentioned meant to bring up in the last um, debate. Uh, debate. The last episode. <laughs> um... And that actually didn't go particularly well. We had a referendum on proportional representation, but it was not explained very well. Uh, I do not think the marketing of it was very good, and people didn't really understand what it is they were actually voting for. So it didn't uh, it didn't pass. And so we got stuck with this first-past-the-post system. And, you know, it's funny. I actually heard an argument that really made me... Um, rethink, not rethink, I still support proportional representation, but it was a little caveat, a little sort of asterisk on proportional representation that I hadn't thought about, which is that, um, think back to the dynamics of the 2017 election. What happened? You had the Tories as the single largest party, but they were just shy of a majority. So they had to go to the DUP to uh, be their supply and confidence, essentially, their their remaining 10 seats they needed for a majority. They went to the DUP and said, hey, can you form a coalition with us, essentially? And the DUP, realising at that point, like, oh, we literally have the entire country by the ball sack. We can do anything we want right now. And so Theresa May had to give them about £3 billion in spending promises for Northern Ireland in order to even get a deal with them. And to be honest, they could have probably got a lot more. You know, I'm if, uh, if Labour... And the Lib Dems fought like these smaller parties did, like the SNP does, like DUP. 
we would definitely be having a different conversation about the power struggles in this country. We would definitely be having a different conversation about forming coalitions going forward. And it made me realise that even though it's great to have smaller parties, if you give these smaller parties more power, the one downside to maybe having uh, lots of different fractured parties is that, that they can um, extract goodies from the bigger parties at the expense of the um, electoral as a whole. So this potentially could create another problem where say you had a lefty coalition in an ideal world uh, where the UK was going to have, you know, Labour, the Greens and the Lib Dems form this pact, essentially. The Greens would have a ton of demands and the Lib Dems would have a ton of demands. So you would potentially have a situation where the parties themselves would gain a lot at the expense of any kind of shared policies. And this is sort of happening in Germany right now, where the far-right parties are sort of demanding more concessions from the coalition that they have over there. Um, so that's also an asterisk we have to put in there. There is no perfect system. There is absolutely no perfect system. Uh, but it is always worth keeping in mind that if you solve one problem, you might just create another one. And... It's worth thinking down the line. Even things I've been advocating on this show, like universal basic income, there's not going to be a perfect society in which we can implement that because oftentimes these big structural reforms require a bunch of little reforms to go alongside them. You know, it's, um, it's like saying if we want to get off fossil fuels completely, well, why don't we just shut down all the power plants? Well, we can't because then we'd have no power. <laughs> it, it wouldn't incentivize the creation of clean energy. It would just screw over average working people in my country and, and around the world, and especially in the developing countries. You know, I have no qualms with the, with the uh, developing nations in Africa and developing nations in Asia who are opening up coal, uh, coal power plants, because that's exactly what we did. And that's exactly what every country does. And that's exactly what the entire Western Hemisphere did. And not only that, we went in and extracted tons of resources from these places. Tons, I mean, there were wars in India because we decided to go in there and occupy it to take their resources and control their people. So, you know, it's not like the West has a leg to stand on and telling these other countries, hey, you have to be more green, you have to do this, you have to do that. Um, these things are always trade-offs. These things are always trade-offs. So... I don't know how I got onto that subject. I started off with the proportion representation, but... Yeah, my overarching point is... Um, I do not want to be offering silver bullet solutions, quick fixes. Um, these things have to be debated. And I'm sure once I get a roundtable discussion going about well, some of these things, I'm going to hear some really good arguments I had never thought of before. Um, moving on to something a little bit less political... Christmas can be a difficult time for a lot of people. Um, I'm sure a lot of you are enjoying time with your friends and your family. If you're listening to this, maybe you are just got bored of them or you just need a little break from the intensity. Need a little break from all the chaos. The same arguments about who's doing the stuffing and who's doing the turkey. <laughs> um, I hope it's. Um, I hope your Christmas is more friends and less peep show. For anyone who gets that reference. You total bloody idiot. Classic. Um, but Christmas can be very difficult for a lot of people who either don't like to celebrate it or it just brings up very painful memories. And um, 
I think there's a risk of our over-commercialised, over-saturated, overly sort of, uh, you know, consumerist version of Christmas can get in the way of what's really important, which is friendship and remembering to stick by each other and stick with each other during these hard winter months. And that should be really the point of Christmas. And for Christians like myself, it's um, it does. There's an extra layer of meaning to it, I suppose. Um, and that's for really another episode. I keep bringing up spiritual aspects, but these uh, these religious and spiritual matters del- deserve a show of their own. So I'll bring that up in a bit. But uh, I want to just offer this as a as a caveat for every one person you can think of who loves this time of year and loves the presents of the Christmas tree. There's probably about three people who live down your road who bloody hate it. They just cannot wait for January to roll around. They cannot wait for this winter to be over. They hate the festive season. It brings nothing but bad memories. So here's what I would suggest. If you really want to do good this year, give someone who normally hates Christmas a reason to like it. Be that person to somebody who hates Christmas, that they can actually look around and go, oh, it's not that all that crap. It's not all that bad. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And it kind of ties in with... Uh, we have a serious uh, crisis of mental health right now, particularly in uh, more rural and underdeveloped parts of the, the country. There's a real crisis in meaning. There's a real crisis in what you're, what people are supposed to be doing with their lives, the uncertainty is definitely palpable. And, you know, this reflects in the amounts of people who are addicted to drugs, the amounts of people who are addicted to, you know, pornography, video games, whatever it might be. The amount of people who sadly have taken their own lives. These are areas we don't necessarily want to talk about because we don't want to give them more light of day, but I think they should be given more light of day. I've found that simply shoving these things under a rock doesn't make them suddenly better. And um, everybody obviously has a different method of dealing with uh, pain and suffering in their lives. But we have to get away from any sense of being holier than thou. We have to get away from any sense of complete self-righteousness. Because I personally, I mean, this is my remedy, obviously. I'm not telling everybody what to do, but I personally think I would rather save a life than be than be separated from separated from my friends and family. If I feel I have to separate myself from someone because because uh, their problems are beneath me, then I've really really fucked up. And if I've ever done that to anybody, I want to apologize because I never meant to do that. Sometimes it's very easy to fall into the trap of, well, they're not doing anything to get their lives in order. Why should I help them? You know, their problems aren't real. Um, And sometimes that is true. I think a lot of it is self-inflicted. But that doesn't mean we should abandon them. It means that, yes, they have to do their bit to get themselves out of this hole, but we have to offer them the ladder. We have to actually offer them a solution. We have to offer them friendship. So it is a two-way streak. Yes, I agree. But if we are not willing to 
stick our hands out for the most vulnerable, then uh, we're not living up to our full humanity. I'm sure all of us listening to this know somebody who's contemplated suicide or someone who's taken their lives. I heard of a young man on the island who I live with and um, he, he unfortunately took his life a couple of days ago. And I'm filled with a complex set of emotions every time I talk about this because it's sad and I do want to sort of feel lost and cry and <laughs> all the natural instinct emotions that come along with it. But I'm also filled with a sense of how we have to do better. We have to try and create a world in which this is not a commonplace occurrence. This is a one-off. This is a one-off sort of fringe, fringe phenomenon. And we have to find a way to reconstitute meaning for a lot of people. It's as if we sort of stripped the foundations away from everything that sort of brought our societies this far. And now it's up to us, especially the younger generation, especially people my age, to find that purpose, to find that purpose in rebuilding our communities. It has to start locally. It has to start with our next door neighbours. If we're not looking after them, but we're pretending to look after the rest of the world, we're just going to run around like headless chickens. I've said this many times, and it's a bit of a strange example, but... I would trust some tribe somewhere. If you were to take a council estate full of social inequality and social problems, we all know these places and they exist. Some of it, most, I mean, most of that is down to failures in government policy. If you took a council estate full of social inequality, full of problems, you stuck them in a tribal nation and you took that tribal nation and you brought them to the council estate, I guarantee you the council estate full of tribal people who are more self-reliant, who have, you know, basically nothing. They come from some dirt poor part of Africa or something. I guarantee you they do better than the council estate people. <laughs> because poverty is not only a lack of money, it's not only a lack of resources, it's a... Um, poverty is being stuck in those circumstances. Poverty is the inability to... Take the resources and the people around you and make something better. It's the feeling of just being dependent, whether it's dependent on the state or dependent on a toxic individual or a toxic situation in order to keep you alive. It's that feeling of being in a cage instead of having a floor beneath you. You know, it's part of the reason why I love the idea of basic income is that it would actually remove this cage. And I've talked about that in previous episodes. But yeah, poverty is a not just a lack of money. It's a structural problem that needs to be looked at very carefully, and it also has to be a two-way streak, like with the mental health issue, like with um, all of these things. Yes, we do need massive resources and massive investment in these communities, but these communities themselves have to be part of the solution. They have to rise up off their own two feet. They have to realize they actually have a lot of power to change things if they want to. And it starts with having honest dialogues and honest conversations that are not based in just attacking one another. I don't see we really have an alternative because we've reached a point now where we complain about these issues year after year. Society keeps changing and accelerating pace. Technology keeps changing the fundamental structures of the way we do uh, do things and operate in our lives. And... Unless we have a solid foundation of community to, to rest on, we are fucking screwed. 
So it's do or die. This this, this whole this whole ethos is do or die for me because for a lot of people it is literally do or die. <laughs> and uh, on that depressing note, now let me offer you. <laughs> on that depressing note, let me bring you some words of inspiration and hope. This may be a shit situation. Some of you might be feeling depressed. Some of you might be in a very, very dark place with complex problems. But one thing I can tell you is that we have ample, ample resources if we use them. We have to change our mindsets and realise that if we don't make the case... If we don't make the case for why our communities can be stronger and better, if we don't start having conversations on a grassroots level, if we do not get rid of the holier than thou, if we don't get rid of the pride, if we don't get rid of the bragging, the nagging, the alternative is want and ruin. So, I said this was going to be. A, I said this was going to be positive. <laughs> I'm not just going to tell you to not give up. I'm not just going to tell you to. Keep it all together. I'm going to say to you, look, if you're struggling with that meaning in your life, find someone else who's struggling with that meaning in life and think of something, you a project. Find a simple project you can get done today. And that's part of the reason why I'm doing this show, is to give me something to do. And uh, it's one of the main reasons people are getting politically involved now. But find something you're interested in. Maybe something you haven't done before. It might be simple. It might be something simple. It might be going to a yoga class. It might be learning how to cook a new dish. It might be cleaning up your house that's been dirty for three years. It might be making amends with that uncle you haven't spoken to in two years because you had a massive argument with him. It might be expanding your horizons, maybe listening to different shows. Obviously, keep listening to this one. But <laughs> uh, it might be just doing something pretty radical. Maybe you need to go off and hike in the wilderness for a bit. Maybe you need to pack a bag and say, you know what, I'm going to go off for a week and I'm going to get my head straight and I'm going to get a different perspective. Whatever it is. There are ways out of your situation. There are ways out of your gap. There are ways out of this despair. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend I have all the answers. But I'm for sure on the road to trying to find them. I feel that way, for sure. And that sense of hope is the one thing that's keeping me from... That's keeping me from melting down <laughs> from melting down essentially um, you have to realize that people need you that it's important to have the community around you and also that social media can really warp the way you have relationships with people uh, Facebook particularly I find particularly toxic Twitter basically the same thing although Twitter can be more interesting it's uh it's not natural to be having kind of instant access to people the way we can have on social media. And I think it's ironically made everybody more distant. It's funny how um, the idea was to bring us all together and make it more of a melting pot, the world more of a melting pot with these social media platforms. But I think it's like, it's almost a case of too close for comfort. 
we've um, put our entire friends and family list on our phones. Instant access to anybody in the world at any time in the world. But yet people feel more distant and more separated than ever before. More people are struggling with relationships now. Even though there are more resources to help people with relationships. So maybe something's fundamentally wrong. Um, I think it's also time to admit that maybe the systems we're building are not actually good for us on a human level. Maybe it's time to realise that the crappy food we're eating, um, this digitised, over-desensitised, commercialised society we're building is not actually going to serve our long-term benefits. It's doing the exact opposite. It's, it's actually driving us more apart and making us more selfish. So these things are tools. We've been given an awesome responsibility with the internet. We've been given an awesome responsibility with our with our time. We've been given an awesome responsibility with our political engagement. And it's time for us to get on our study. It's time for us to wise up. It's time for us to start reading real books. It's time for us to <laughs> it's time for us to have difficult conversations with people even if they don't go well. And that's half the fear. It's like, oh, what if I start this conversation? It just turns into a bloody argument because I can just foresee. Well, if you admit that up front, if you set the guidelines up front, then maybe it won't turn into an argument. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, having the conversation, having the courage to address the thing that you've been not wanting to look in the eye for ages will actually get you somewhere. So, I thought it was just going to be 30 minutes, but I kind of said everything I want to say now. And um, I'm going to leave you this. For those who are having Christmas with their families, I wish you a wonderful holiday New Year. Uh, I'll probably be putting up a couple of episodes just after the Christmas period. I'm probably going to take a little break for the next couple of days. Um, when we come back in the New Year, I'm probably going to keep doing these daily. Um, if, there's, if some of you are coming onto the page and it's not popping up, sometimes there's a bit of delay in getting them up on the, on the uh, website just due to production um production errors but um i'm going to do my best to fix those and i'm also going to try and get this podcast available on the main podcast app so that people can have a listen to it but uh i always do this i'm gonna leave it but uh (laughs) hey ho i think this is actually gonna be it thank you so much for listening god bless stay strong stay peaceful peace